0: about a night in June or a shady lane beneath the velvet moon don't tell me cause I wanna talk about you don't Oh, that grassy spot where crickets softly call Don't tell me Cause I want to talk about you
2: So that's not strictly true, although I don't mind talking about you. But I'm also willing to talk about almost anything, including crickets and waterfalls. Well, the number is 888 720 WNPR. That's 888 720 9677. This is Ask or Tell Me Anything, and you can just call in and and you can, you can do that. You can do what the title suggests. I was actually just sitting here. I just I did a thing I don't typically do, which is I opened up a Mr. Carp envelope. Mr. Carp envelopes are just full of. Things that Mr. I could write a pretty good thriller, I think, about Mr. Carp envelopes. Because Mr. Carp was like the smartest person in college in a hoity toity environment where there were a lot of smart people. And he did extremely well in his professional life. And now he's kind of semi retired. And he sends out these envelopes full of things that he thinks are important. And they're mysteriously underlined, they're all clipped out of publications. And elaborately stamped Mr carp likes bunny stamps in particular uh, bunny stamps I think are one Z stamps um, and I feel like a message is being sent sometimes that times that i'm I don't understand I'm not smart enough to like put this whole thing together but if I were to put the whole thing together, I would know a lot of things or i would I would see how certain things are connected and why they're important um And I think, actually, if the balloons and the stuff in the sky, if it turns out to be UFOs, I would give them some Mr. Carp envelopes to take home. I think they would, you know, they might want to really go over this stuff. Uh, All right. So let's uh, try some phone calls here. I have a lot I want to say about those things in the sky, but it could be that I never get to say any of it. So uh, here's Eric in Cheshire uh, with a subject, I think, that speaks to my current condition. Uh, Eric, what's on your mind?
3: Colin, this, uh, yeah. Um, I've been reading an interesting book titled Evolution Gone Wrong by Alex Bezerides, who who is a comparative uh, anatomy professor. And uh, the book describes, well, basically discusses the fact that the human female body is just not uh, biomechanically or physiologically designed for an easy, or efficient pregnancy and childbirth uh... which is the reason why women go through so much pain and and discomfort like uh... back pain and and nausea and vomiting and uh, uh, high blood pressure, uh, diabetes during pregnancy. Uh, and it just it points out to the fact that, that you know when we're developing inside our mothers, we, we really are very demanding <laughs> on them physiologically. Uh, and and uh, this is more the case with humans than it is with other animals uh, because uh, four-legged animals, Are, are, are much, the physics works out much better with the, the weight of, of the unborn on the mother's body than, than it does in humans. And also they, uh, they have larger, uh, comparatively larger birth canals, uh, in, relevant to, uh, the size of, of the fetus, uh, which the fetus would pass through during during childbirth, whereas with humans, uh, when we evolved from four-legged mammals into uh, mammals that stand and walk on two feet, uh, the the pel the shape of the pelvis uh, pelvis changed and the birth canal got narrower. That, in addition to the increased brain and skull size uh, of the fetus. Uh, It just makes uh, the whole the whole process of pregnancy and childbirth not only very uncomfortable but but also uh, quite dangerous. Right. We should be clear.
2: We should be clear about this book. It's not all about that. I mean, it's about a much broader topic. It's not just about childbirth. It's all about the fact that uh, we seem to have evolved badly in lots of ways, and even that descent from the trees to the forest floor uh, imposed all kinds of non-childbirth related conditions on our spines and I mean we're you know there's no reason there should be so many bones in our feet it doesn't really make any sense if you were designing a really good foot you'd probably put fewer bones in it so so you know and in general uh, I'm very sympathetic to that point of view today my back hurts my teeth hurts my teeth hurt (laughs) Um, I don't know it just sort of you know you get to be a certain age and you just think well, one thing that I think anybody who gets to be a certain age thinks was this wasn't the plan to to like to be 68 years old. That was not, you know, that was not the original plan. This is supposed to like end way, way sooner. <laughs> We're prolonging something. So, uh so yeah, the 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 book uh which I'm aware of anyway, I mean I haven't read. It's it's interesting and and it does it, it would explain a lot, you know. Maybe we just Aren't as well evolved as we think. And this, you know, we're asking ourselves to do all kinds of stuff. We would have been better off just being sloths, you know. Uh, you see sloths complaining about how much their backs hurt. Uh, all right. So uh, the numbers 888 720 WNPR, which also adds up to 888 720 9677. And uh, we've got people, uh, let's see. Let's go to uh, Doris in Southbury. Hi Doris, you're on the air.
4: Hi, how you doing? Just fine. Good. Um, I wanted to talk about um, a law that I'm hoping gets passed in Connecticut. It's called uh, a right to die law or die with dignity law. Um, There's about 10 states in the United States that have that law. Um, Two of them are right by us, uh, New Jersey and Vermont. And um, I don't understand why we can't get that passed, because, you know, all of us are on the same train. We're all going to be a, quote-unquote, death's door. And I would just like a very, when the time comes, I would like a very simple way to do it, maybe taking a couple of pills and and I'm done, as opposed to, lingering and maybe suffering um, I just think it's it's my choice because it's my life and why should it be against the law to begin
3: with
2: right well I mean the reason first of all it's a compli- it's more complicated than that I- I'm not suggesting that such a law isn't needed it is needed we, we need to do a better job with people in and, and end of life and there's an awful lot of unnecessary prolongation, but you've got to design a system that everybody can live with. Uh, and and some of the things that I think you worry about in a, system, in a situation like this are bad decisions. For example, I mean, I, I always feel like the greatest favor to us in this particular sphere I think I've said this on the show before, but was done by Jack Kevorkian because he was so horrible, you know. So the like the real big pioneer on, in so-called assisted suicide was this guy who, as far as I'm concerned anyway, was way out of control. And so the first publicized instance of him assisting somebody uh, was a woman named Janet Atkins, who I think was in maybe in her late 50s, something like that. Had uh, been diagnosed with early Alzheimer's, but you know she played a set of tennis on the day that she died, uh, and and often when people get a bad diagnosis, an alarming diagnosis, they go into a depression. Uh, There often are things that can be done in terms of counseling, uh, in terms of support groups, in in terms of medical interventions that can make the person wind up feeling a little bit better about their lives, maybe extend their sense of life engagement for another five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years. So you want to make sure that that doesn't happen. You want to make sure that in a moment of despair, somebody doesn't do something that can never be taken back. And, of course, the other thing you need to do is sort of figure out how you protect providers who don't want to do this because uh, I don't think you can set up a situation where all doctors have to engage in this because there are a lot of doctors who are just not going to be comfortable doing that. Um, but, I mean, we, you can make a good bill. Um, it's been hard in this state. Uh, I, I, this may not be the case anymore, but for decades – The impediment to, I mean, we were very late in the state of Connecticut to get living wills, just the simple thing that you now do, an advanced directive, whatever you want to call it. I don't want this, I don't want that, but I do want these things, you know, and they can be very specific. I've known people who, you know, specify what they want on the radio in their room if they're non responsive for a while but we didn't have anything like that particularly the stuff that discusses when it is that you don't want heroic interventions anymore because the catholic church was very opposed to it they had a very effective lobbyist up there and for you know years maybe decades they were able to block that bill i was a young reporter up there in 1979 uh, and watched that happen watched one of those bills get beaten down so i think we were a little slow you know to grow in this area and I agree with you that we can have a good bill, but I want a good bill. I don't want just—I don't want you just to be able to sort of take two pills and die, you know, before you've, maybe you've had some counseling, before you know, maybe uh, you've explored everything, because you know, we often do get very depressed and desperate, and you can make a big mistake.
4: Well, you know, I mean, I hear everything that you're saying, but I don't know. A couple of things come to mind. First is. Um, why does there have to be a law in the first place? Because once there's a law, then people either go with it or they break it. Um, you know, if if I don't know that I have to get counseling if I decide, "Okay, I'm 95 years old. Uh, I think it's time. It's been a good run, and I think it's time." Why can't why can't that be my choice? Why would I need counseling? It's a it's an individual choice that you make. Now, some people you don't want to make that choice. You want to go to the end, no matter what the end looks like. That's fine. Uh, but why can't we have the other choice? You know, I've had enough and I'm done. Give, give me it doesn't have to be doctors involved. I I wouldn't need them. Uh, just a couple of pills that you mix this, you mix that, and then you. you you're done. Well, it seems to me it would be very simple if maybe we didn't even need the law to begin with because that means people you you you're almost
2: people to break it. Well, you, you have to make up your mind about this, either you want the law or you don't. Uh, yeah, right now, okay. you you can take your own life. People do it all the time. I don't recommend it. Right. If anybody's listening right now uh, and, and having thoughts like this, please call uh, an emergency hotline uh, because and one of the reasons like we the, the, we in broadcasting, typically if a topic like this comes up and comes up out of the blue, we, have to, we give out a crisis line number because people do impulsive things. Uh, I mean, they just do. do. And and it's, you know, we have to be super, super careful. And so anybody even listening to this conversation uh, and thinking that it somehow or other applies to them, please call a crisis line. Um, But um, yes, it is, you don't need a law. You could do it right now. I mean, there are things out there that you could probably, you know, stockpile and and use and stuff like that, and I'm sure there's like DIY stuff online that you could uh, look and figure out. What's being asked for is a more formalized process where you don't have to go to the dark web, you don't have to go to the weird side of town, you don't have to figure it out yourself. Uh, there would yeah, be a, there would I be a mean, way yeah. there'd be a pipeline there'd be a line you get in for this uh, but if there's a I, line I you're going to
4: I can go with that yeah yes. if you go with that
2: if there's a line you're going to get get in for it though then there are going to have to be guardrails um, and I think it does not make sense for there to be guardrail so it does seem like just talking to a few legislators um, before the session started it did seem like there was more momentum for this than there maybe has been in past sessions. I mean, this really might be a year where this law gets passed. But I think you know you do need a system and a process and a good one. I don't think you can just snap your fingers and have this kind of thing in place. I mean, if you want the state to be involved, you know, if you want the state to be involved, yeah, then they're going to have to create a system for it. Uh, and it's going to have regulations. So the state just doesn't do things any other way. And I think in this instance, it's actually a good idea for the state to be involved. I mean, if there's going to be a law that says you can do this. All right, 888-720-WNPR. There are going to be more radical thinkers who, who, who don't agree with me about that, but eight 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 seven two zero nine six seven seven. In fact, I was talking to my producers about this yesterday. This is actually sort of, um, I was keyed into this by uh, one of my students, but um, there's a piece by Alana Newhouse, I think her name is. Uh, she's like editor-in-chief of Tablet. And she contrasts two ways of thinking about the world, which she, one of which she calls brokenism and the other one she calls status quoism, I think, or something like that. Anyway, that's the and it's the wrong name. She needs a new nomenclature. Brokenism is fine. And the brokenism basically says, look, it, people who are brokenistas, think look at institutions, they say, this is broken. Let's get rid of it. Uh, this doesn't work. And so let's get rid of it. Uh, and... The other group, who should not be called status quoistas or something, they should be called like mechanics or something. And I think I belong to this group. They say, this isn't right, let's fix it. Um, And I mean, this is especially true in the way, in our attitudes towards the functions of government. It's the difference between defund the police and fix the police. Um, I'm definitely, I, I want a, I want a society with functioning institutions uh, I don't want to get rid of institutions just because they're not functioning well. I want to fix them, but th- there are you know radically different attitudes about that. And there are, bro- I think, bro- brokenism. I mean, brokenism. I think was part of the impulse behind Brexit. It was like, oh, this doesn't work. We don't like this. We're getting out of this. We're done. Um, and look how that worked out. <laughs> All right, our numbers eight 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 seven two zero WNPR. 888 720 9677. Looks like maybe Jesse's call might tie in a little bit to some of the things that were just being discussed here. Hi, Jesse. You're on the air.
5: Hey, yeah, you're right. Um, that does kind of tie in. That, that woman really uh, jarred our brains, I think, mm. especially mine. I, I worked for Mobile Crisis uh, Wheeler Clinic, and I was just leaving a school where kid was expressing um, really low thoughts, low self esteem, and, you know, Bottom of the barrel of thoughts, and to be able to sit there with that child and hear them and um, help them, I guess locate that uh, that piece of them that wants to continue on is like this just amazing job that I get to have. So, that's it, what
2: I yeah, well, say a little bit more about that too. I mean, first of all, I uh, you know, I guess the number we give out these days, by the way, for stuff like that is two one one. You have may have a better number than that, but um, but it also seems yeah, like part of your job is also figuring out. What's the what's the real threat level here? You know, uh, is this kid having a bad day? Is this kid just like just doesn't want to be in school at this moment and is willing to say almost anything, um, or is this real uh, ideation that that should alarm people? But I, I'd love to know a little bit more about what you're seeing and how you think about it all.
5: Yeah, no. So you're exactly right. Kind of a, a deterrent program is in. You know, does this kid really need to go to the higher level of help, mm-hmm. or is this kid? got the skills and supports in place to be able to make it through this uncomfortable situation, regardless if it's not wanting to go to school or if it's, you know, dreading going home to try and, you know, they have restrictions from being able to play Fortnite, you know. Yeah. So help, helping them get through that is uh, it's basically listening to them. It's, it's giving that opportunity to, to hear them out and hear their perspective and then, you know, maybe ask of them to view other people's perspectives so uh yeah we it's 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 good it's when when schools are overburdened basically with you know trying to help out kids in these times you know they they call for us to help with that assessment and for for us to be a functioning team, we really have to go in there with that like kind of what you said mechanic mind before this, I was actually a mechanic for Volvo, so it kind of really correlates with that last conversation you had.
2: Right. You just don't pull the car over and unscrew the license plate and walk away. Um, You you try to do something with it. Let me ask you one more question, which is, I mean, I think there's sort of a general sense these days that uh, as we've been through the pandemic and some of the other stresses that attended the last two and a half, three years, that this has fallen really, really hard uh, on adolescents, um, uh, on middle school uh, and high school kids. Uh, I don't know. Do you, do you have that sense? I mean, is just volume way higher?
5: I, I'm new to it, as in I've only been in it for, for a few months now, but it's, it's definitely the volume is up. You know, it's been busy actually since the Super Bowl. It's been really busy. I've been very busy for this entire week. Um, and the one thing about that, though, I'd like to share is that, you know, children are resilient and amazing. The things that they can recover from until they turn into adults. So. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't recover from anything at this point, but, um, <laughs> but so I get that. Well, that is good to hear. That part's good news. Uh, all right, so uh, here we are. We're doing Ask or Tell Me Anything, uh, the number 8- 888-720-WNPR, 888-720-9677. One thing that we know about Ask or Tell Me Anything, and, and we, we know it to our great amusement, and a certain amount of satisfaction is whatever everybody else in the world is talking about. No one will call up. up. <laughs> no, one, no one will call up about that today. So, like, I don't expect to get a lot of UFO calls. I would expect to get a UFO call on almost any other day that I've done this and, and frequently have. But the fact that everybody's talking about it kind of ruins it. I think from the perspective of people who call this show. But I do want to say two things uh, about that. One of them is I'm my concern is you know we keep shooting stuff down. And one of the four things that we shot down as I understand it didn't really seem like a balloon even <laughs> it was like chunkier somehow I feel like at some point we are gonna get you know one of those radio telescope messages you know from somewhere and they're gonna say you know we we sent a cure for all your diseases and uh, um, an end to sadness um, a couple of months ago and uh, there was like a you know a reply uh, thing that you were supposed to check off and send back and I don't know. what. Do you have any idea what happened to that? <laughs> I'm <I> just worried. <laughs> if we shoot down everything, pretty soon we're going to shoot down something that might have something useful on it. And the other thing that I'm worried about is Santa Claus. Because I can just see him, you know, if this keeps up, if we keep shooting stuff down, I could see, you know, nine, ten months from now, he's like meeting with the elves and saying, you know, my sciatica is really acting up this year. Uh, I, I, you know, I've never taking a sick day uh, on the 24th, and I just, you know, and the elves, are, elves and reindeer, they're going to be going, no, we know what's going on here, you want us to go out there? You know, now when the going gets tough, you want us to, go, and he'd be going, I, like, I never asked you guys to do anything like this, and just this one time. All right, so let's take a little break here, and when we come back, we will do more calls here on Ask or Tell Me Anything.
3: I don't know where we were going, but Rosalita was on the
0: radio. I was drumming on the dash, and she was whistling to the saxophone. We never promised each other, but when you only have the summer, it's almost like September 7. Sixer from the store down the street Stayed up Watching basketball replays There's a reason that she can't Go to sleep And it's got nothing to do with LeBron James Has to do with a chemical reaction Stimulated synapses The snapping of the crackling The doctor gave her something to focus her attention. She's got a six-month supply in the cupboard in the kitchen.
2: All right, I, I didn't know we were going to be talking about mental health today. I wouldn't have uh, suggested playing the whole study if I'd known that mental health was going to be part of the conversation. Yeah, because they are—they're interested in mental health, but maybe not in the most helpful way. Uh, anyway, this is after Tell me anything. Uh, you can call eight eight eight. WNPR is 888 wnpr or 888 9677 and you can get on the air. Um, all right, let's take a few calls here uh, from, we'll start maybe with Tony, who's been waiting for a while. Hi, Tony. Hey, Colin, how are you? Just fine. Happy uh,
6: Lupercalia
2: Day. <laughs> is it is it Lupercalia Day?
6: It is. It really is. Um, I'm not sure why I know that, but uh well, hey, it, it's um, there's some
2: kind of Valentine's Day tie-in, right? I heard uh, yeah, Katchen yeah, uh, on yeah. where we live talking they, about this the other day. They
6: sacrificed goats and for fertility, and then breast up in them, and um, and then women lined up to get struck with uh, goat tails to for increase their fertility. So that's apparently where Valentine's Day came from.
2: Yeah, you say that in the, in the past tense, like it doesn't happen anymore. And I mean, it's certainly a big part I'm, of how I celebrate I'm, anyway.
6: I'm planning a big party next year yeah. involving it. But. So um, do, you, do you mind talking about um, my high school, St. Bernard's High School in, in Uncasville? Um, so they're selling it. The uh, Diocese of Norwich is selling it to um, pay the, um, these lawsuits off. And they're also selling Xavier High School in Middletown, and I don't know why well I don't know why they're not selling off these churches that are mostly empty anyway in a lot of these places. a lot of towns have four churches and you know they can't fill any of them and and also I they also release the names of the accusers. I mean I just don't think the church the Catholic Church gets it yet. And um I think my high school and my daughter actually thought of this should be converted into either a um a Buddhist temple or a buddhist uh, studies or indigenous studies uh this right down it's right next to the mohegan in fact the mohegan yeah, yeah. have been the ones who bought it and um I don't
2: know i just wondered what you thought about that well so um I, I first of all i like those ideas and i could be wrong about this i feel like some of the condon brothers the mighty condon brothers uh, of connecticut journalism may have gone to saint bernard's uh if i'm wrong about that i'm gonna i'm gonna hear about it pretty quickly i think but uh and, i'm not familiar yeah yeah <laughs> um and one of whom uh, is now a buddhist um so uh you know there's sort oh. of a the, the the road's are already get, kind of getting plowed. They're, the Condon family is definitely from that area, and I think maybe they went to St. Bernard's. If I'm wrong about that, as I say, I'll be sharply corrected very soon. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hate to con- comment on something like kind of like that without full a full amount of context, but I, I would sort of say that, um, that your general statement, that the Catholic Church still doesn't get it, I think is true to a certain degree. I mean, they're just thing I, I think probably Francis is a little better on this stuff than some of his predecessors uh, but I, I don't think that there's a wholesale fix there and it does seem weird to you know if if st Bernards I mean first of all populations dropping I, I was I assume enrollment isn't what it used to be um, without, no, no not at all yeah so I mean you know you could they're, they're looking for yeah. They're looking for ballast to throw out of the basket of the balloon, and yeah. But I, I think it's a fair question to say, well, how about it? I think first of all, they can probably sell a high school easier than they can sell a church. Right? Um, repurposing a church yeah. is not going to be yeah. super easy. Yeah. But you <laughs> yeah, already general. came up with two or three ideas about how to repurpose uh, a high school, and you're just getting started. I mean, it might be a tear down, but I bet you a tear down in a high school is easier than a tear down. I bet you there's a whole lot of issues that that come up when you start trying to tear down a church. So. Um, sure. So knowing so, Colin, absolutely nothing we, about this, wait, that's my see, contribution. What, yeah, go ahead.
6: Segway to the Knights, the Knights of Columbus, who are another, I mean, I'd love you to do a whole show on them because I, I think, I don't know, I think they're almost a cult in a way. And I think what they've done, they, they are apparently heavily, heavily behind a lot of what's transpired to end up um, Roe v, v. Wade being uh, a, a, thrown out and they did it very subtly and under the and now they're celebrating but before that they kind of kept it very quiet and the the guy that runs it has, you know he's kind of an interesting character I think I just think um, you know it's one of those things where if you dig into it, 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 it it's it's a little weird and 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 the knights themselves I I was a knight for a while back in the day because cheap drinks you mm-hmm. know and but, um, but God, not anymore, and they closed the one in London, which was one of the earliest ones, so uh, again, I don't know, I don't know what your thoughts on the Knights of Columbus are, I know you you're, you know, you're in New Haven a lot, so I just thought you might have some.
3: On
2: it. Right. Well, you certainly haven't really, you know, created the kind of atmosphere where the Knights of Columbus would now want to do a show with us. Uh, but um, but that's okay. They, they, this has come up from time to time, and we have actually talked about the Knights on the show. I can't remember on what circ- under what circumstances. I don't know. I, I, first of all, I'm always fascinated by religious topics. I'm I'm ready for almost anything. Uh, but, um, all right. So, <laughs> So, but I would also like to say that it was not me who used the word cult. All right, I did not say cult. That was it. Um, so, so hold your calls on that. Or Tony, Tony, sorry, not not it, Tony. Um, all right. So, all right. Let's take a look at Tom in Wallingford. Hi, Tom. Hello, Colin. How are you? Okay.
6: Um, just because as anything goes, days I thought I'd ask if you could. Have, would know why any state, but in our particular case, Connecticut would have, have it mandated that, um, um, winners of lotteries have to come forward and reveal themselves. Uh, we live in a time where basically anything goes and you, you know, you, you were, I think we're much more at risk these days than we have been in the past. And I'm wondering why something like that would still be on the books. Yeah. Ideas on that.
2: I, I don't know the answer. I, I can guess that the um, answer is that um, the transparency, particularly when you're talking about such large sums of money, um, uh, I, the system only works if people have faith in it and believe in it uh, and don't feel as though it can be easily gamed. Uh, And so having a system where you don't say who won and don't allow people to know those kinds of things, I mean, I I know what you're saying. And I I think uh, there's a lot of truth to what you're saying, which is that the minute you do that, you are exposing that person to various kinds of risks Mm -hmm. and harms. And, you know, I mean... Um, You know, if this were there are there are countries where people are routinely kidnapped off the street for less than what you would win in Powerball. Wow. So, yes. so there are risks. There are risks. Um, and, you know, but my guess is that they do it in the name of transparency because otherwise it seems secretive. And then people think that it's rigged or fixed or whatever. So the more that they the philosophy would be the more that we tell people, the better off we are. All right, so um, I'm just going to warn people that the next call uh, um, may—and this just sort of seems to be a road that we're on today. Um, Oh, maybe before we do the next call, (laughs) let's do this one. Um, All right, here's Andy in Torrington. Hi, Andy, you're on the air.
7: How's it going, Colin?
2: Oh, you're this Andy. I know which Andy this is.
7: I can confirm that Garrett Condon went to St. Bernard Boys High School in Uncasville.
2: Oh yeah. So and and so we know then that you know the whole sort of Saint Bernards to to Buddhist thing is you know I mean it can be done. Um, And so anyway, thanks thanks for the the fact check uh, or whatever whatever we would call that. Um, All right. So I'm going to once again kind of set this up a little bit. So we did get have some conversations about earlier in the show about right to die uh, and about the risk. Uh, in, in cases of right to die with, with somebody doing something precipitous um, without fully understanding what all their options are. And it's always incredibly sad when someone does that. So I think this call is a follow-up on that. And I'm just sort of warning you, if you're triggered by this kind of stuff, or uh, you should be aware. Uh, and we will also give out some of those um, hotline numbers uh, again in just a second. Here's uh, Ed in Hampton. Hi, Ed. You have the floor.
6: Hi, Colin. I mean, I you know, I called in because, you know, the, the conversation was sort of going towards, you know, you can kind of do this on your own and not a systematic, organized way. This is, you know, you know, this suicide. And so I have two horrible stories, warn you. Um, one is that I'm a contractor. I had a, a technician, a, a service guy who was going to come and look at a furnace in an unoccupied house for me. Um, and he insisted that I be there to let him in the house. When he got there, I, mean, I was a little bit PO'd because it took time out and it didn't seem necessary to me. He said they had a prior customer, standing customer, who called him for service on his furnace at his house. And when he got there, the guy had shot himself in the basement. Oh, dear. When he walked down the cellar stairs. And apparently, the this particular um former customer didn't want his family to find his body. Mm-hmm. So he set up this contractor. Yeah. So I totally totally understood that. Story number two is a uh, friend of my sister's, um, her sister was dying of cancer and it was known and it was, you know, the diagnosis is right there. They had a, you know, get together with family and close friends, they drank wine. She drank her cocktail or took whatever she took, went to sleep, and and everybody left except for the sister who stayed in the house with the body. Well, you know, sometime after midnight, the, you know, not-yet-dead sister started to breathe. Mm-hmm. And the surviving sister was running around frantic looking for meds and mm-hmm. ended up finishing the deed.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Again, these are like—so it's— <laughs> The whole idea that you can just sort of do it kind of on your
2: own, you know, it's like— Oh, um, yeah, no, And that's the reason people want a bill. First of all, let me be—before we say anything more, I do want to give out the, yeah. uh, the, the best number, 888-273-TALK. That's 888-273-8255 If you're having suicidal thoughts, or this is resonating with you in some kind of weird way, yeah, that's why you want the system. You want a system that works, absolutely, uh, and, and you want a system that's supervised by medical professionals uh, to avoid exactly the scenario that you just described. Um, you know, but well, the, the first one
6: is yeah. I was being creative. It's like right, and, and you know the the the. Burner oil burner technician. That guy is just being creative. Like you know, I mean, he was doing it on his own. But what what a terrible thing to do to that man.
2: Right. Exactly. But you know, in in the case of the other thing, yeah, you it's why you want a bill. You want a system. You want a system that works. You want a system that does include a kind of circuit breaker for counseling. And then, yeah, you want a system that. Will have the minimum amount of potential for misfires of the kind that you just described because that's horrible sure. too and and so yeah I mean as I was trying to say to that the woman who called up yeah you, you can do this you know I mean people do it um, right. the reason to have a bill and the reason to have regulations that go along with it and the reason to, to kind of the, to debate the bill. And, and I totally get it if people feel it's taking too long, too many sessions passed. That's the way legislation works, though. Typically, a bill has to be proposed. If it's a kind of a game-changer bill, it has to be proposed a bunch of times, and it gets debated. It doesn't get out of committee the first two times, and maybe it gets out of committee the third time, but it dies in one chamber or the other. And, you know, it take, just takes a while. Um, but one yeah. of the reasons for that, I mean, there's some bad things about that, but one of the reasons is you don't want to pass a bad law. You, know, you don't want to pass a law that's inadequately worked out. So uh, anyway, thanks for your call. And uh, yes, I say uh, there is um, I'm also hearing that 988 is a number that you uh, you can call about these things. But um, but, you know, if anybody's listening, anybody's thinking about this stuff, don't never do anything precipitous. There are almost inevitably uh, other ways to look at the situation that you're in right now. So um, let's take a little break here. Uh, Thanks for your call, Ed. And we'll take a little break here, uh, catch our breaths, and do a final stretch.
0: you never see me dying on screen on microscope. I'll be the first to laugh it off, to not be the brilliant joke. Let me make a mistake, it'll pay for its own cost. Because regret is like an infant that won't let you sleep it off.
2: We are back. Thank you uh, so much for listening today. And thanks to Kat Pastor. She's our technical producer, the person kind of making the whole thing hum here. Uh, and the um, phone stuff and the, the telling me stuff that I don't know stuff is all being handled <laughs> by producer Jonathan McBance. So thanks to, all, to both of them for all that. By the way, yeah, I think we've decided that 988 is the most up-to-date number to call if you're having thoughts or if you're uh, you or someone you know. Uh, is having any kind of suicidal ideation, or or in some kind of, some kind of other crisis nine eight eight. So um, also want to mention tomorrow is a show on nominative determinism. That's the idea. It's there are other names for it. Um, aptronyms is another term. It's 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 sort of you know when your name seems to fit your prof- profession. This all gets started because I was talking. I was writing a piece about bird feeders and I discovered the existence of an ornithologist named David Bird. And I thought, well, that's that's nominative determinism right there. And so I believe we're going to be interviewing David, uh, David Byrd. Uh, we're going to record an interview with David Byrd right after the show today. Uh, and we will uh, be featuring that and many other things tomorrow on our nominative determinism show. And then on Friday, because uh, Mr. Pants will not be around to produce The Nose, we're going to be around our 49-minute um, our uh, consideration of the life and times of Liam Neeson. Um, And if you didn't hear it the first time, uh, I can promise you an elevating and exalting experience because we are a show that has special skills. All right. So uh, we're uh, back to taking some phone calls. we got some people waiting here for a while. OK, I, I'm, I'm going to have nothing of any use to say about this. But uh, but Lindsay from Coventry has been waiting for some time. So uh, let's uh, let's have this conversation anyway. Hi, Lindsay, you're on the air.
8: Hi, Colin. Thank you for taking my call. So, I wanted to talk about uh, Governor Lamont's proposed budget. Mm-hmm. The the highlights, I think, that uh, the headlines on the budget tend to be, oh, there's a there's a surplus, and we're, there's a proposed tax cut. But it also includes pretty significant cuts to the University of Connecticut and UConn Health. Um, and my understanding of the numbers is that 30 years. I, I should I should also say, you know, full disclosure that I'm a UConn employee.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: So. That's why I have some numbers and a vested interest. Right. Um, But, uh, you know, 30 years ago that 50 percent of a student's tuition was funded by the state and that we are currently at 26 percent and that the proposed cuts would bring us down to 25 percent. And, you know, I know one percent doesn't seem like a lot, but it's it's more the narrative of the chipping away that I'm interested in. And. You know, the question that that keeps coming up, I was at the appropriate, the the student rally at the appropriations committee at the Capitol today. You know, at what point is a public university no longer a public university is 20 percent, 15 percent. And I guess that's the question that I'm really chewing on. And I'm wondering what you think about that.
2: Um, one thing that I don't have time to look up, but I think would be interesting to know, is what the actual tuition number uh, has uh, what was thirty years ago and what it's increased to today. My guess is that it's increasing way faster than inflation or almost anything else that you could try to in- index it to. Uh, I'm not saying that that you know throws things into a, a different category, but um, yeah, I think you know I- I'm not as in tune with this particular issue as I would have been if you approached me about it, say, eight years ago, 10 years ago, when I really knew a lot about it. Um, I think there's a real question about what public universities are going to be and what their first purpose is. And and it's varied a little bit from administration to administration. Uh, And particularly under President Herbst, it seemed as though the goal was to convert UConn into more of a research university where there really was kind of um, more of a premium placed on luring in top talent, uh, um, developing uh, patentable things, patentable uh, IP and, and ideas and And that that sort of day to day notion of actually teaching undergraduates uh, seemed of less interest. (laughs) Um, So, but I I I think your question you have a better question than I have an answer. Um, I mean, the first thing I would say is uh, governors' proposed budgets are nothing more than the very first move of the very first pawn on a chessboard, Uh, and the chessboard the chess game goes on for you know weeks and weeks and months, Uh, and. What whatever this whatever comes out of the General Assembly, it won't be the budget that Ned Lamont put in. Or if it is, it'll be the first time that ever happened. So I, I don't think, you know, I think you, you're right to want to discuss this and discuss your concerns and your interests uh, and everybody else's interests uh, and, and what the stakes are. I, I, I don't know what the right answer is. And I also know that it's very tough to propose cuts at a time when you do have a surplus in some money in the rainy day fund. Although one thing I can tell you is that absolutely everybody... Uh, within breathing distance, within, you know, close enough to fog the panes of the windows of the state capitol, has a plan for that money. It's just not all, all the same plan. You know, Everybody's got a great idea how to spend all this oh, money. Yeah. Almost nobody has a great idea of like, oh, well, let's actually save some of it uh, because it's called the Rainy Day Fund for a reason. I mean, I, I give Malloy a certain amount of credit for saying, okay, anytime we've got any kind of money, we really have to kind of pay down some of these unfunded pension liabilities and stuff. He actually de- devised a plan to do that. First governor really ever, and uh, Connecticut to do that. So I don't know. I don't I don't have a good enough kind of fly spec view of the books at UConn right now. Um, my guess is that uh, you know that that um, Lamont is probably not even entirely serious about the numbers that he put out there. But he may be looking for some cost cutting, some belt belt tightening on UConn's end. Uh, you'd hate to see it hit tuition harder because it's already too expensive to go to. Uh, even public yeah. public universities. So, yeah.
8: Yeah, and I think that that's where the, the most stress is because I, I think your characterization of previous presidents is correct. And I think we are gearing back around towards undergraduates um, and towards really what it means to be a state university and to serve the in-state um, students, at least on the campus. And, you know, the idea of, of a tuition raise Hurts
0: that. Yeah.
2: I mean, look, this this traditionally has been the ladder: The community colleges and then the state universities like Southern, Central, Eastern, um, you know, and, and then UConn. These, these are the ladders for the middle class or people who were born into families that weren't middle class families. These are the understood ways of creating upward mobility and progress in a society or these days. Forget about upward mobility, just creating a situation where you don't lose ground compared to the family you were born into. So it's really important that they work, and it's really important that they be affordable. And you know, and that just sounds a little bit like, you know, a pretty empty nostrum. But it's like all I've got right now. <laughs> so, so take it or leave it. All right. So I'm going to go to Anna just because she's been waiting a long time. There's a lot of sort of Connecticut-specific questions today. And I would say that for most of my life, I've known a lot of things about Connecticut. And I think over the last five years, I've gradually known less and less about Connecticut. But maybe just the fact that I used to know a lot about it will will serve me well here. Here's uh, Anna with a call. Hi, you're on the air. Hi, Colin. I am starting a new business in
8: Connecticut and wanted to know what your recommendations, maybe from a few years back, uh, but anything, you know, kind of what's going on now for networking and getting the word out about new businesses here in the state?
2: You know, I don't – I, I I was worried it would be a question like, <laughs> like that. And I, I think <laughs> – I think it's harder. I think it's different. I think you know everything that's gone on with social media uh, has the good news is that social media has created a world of possibilities that didn't exist before. You know, and and evaluate, evaluating each platform on its terms uh, is really important. Facebook, for example, is really really good at helping people find one another. Uh, but uh, my guess is that if you want to get the if you want to get the good news is if you want to get the word out, there are lots better ways to do it than there were in 1995, um, but you know you have to do it in a pretty sophisticated way. And I I don't have answers specific to Connecticut. I mean, there's lots of newsletters and there's stuff like the Daily Nutmeg and stuff like that. But I I don't I don't know the right answer. But good for you that you're starting something new. Make a thing, do a thing, uh, and um, I, I wish I had more to say about that. Um, all right, <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. so so we probably have time for one more call. Charlie from Norwich has been waiting a while. So, Charlie, make sure you turn on your radio, otherwise your brain will explode. That actually does I, happen, too. Uh, I
7: already did, and thank you, Colin, for taking my phone call. No problem. Social Security is my, uh, my question to you or, or comments. Social Security, of course, we all got about a 7.8% increase. And what I don't like the way that it has been going on is the person who's receiving quite a bit of Social Security that percent that they're getting is much higher than the person on the lower end of that, uh, the the amount that they're getting. So what's happening is the, so if you go back 25 years ago and the cost of living went up 5% or 6% or 4%, well, again, the person on the lower end of that spectrum, he's getting far less than the person on the higher end of that spectrum. It seems as though there should be a a different way of doing it. Plus, cost of living increase, the loaf of bread for me is going to cost just as much as it is for somebody on the lower end or on the higher end. Same thing with gasoline. So i, I just like to see a different way of doing that. Of course, the federal government would have to get involved in that. and We probably have an, an idea how that's going to work.
2: Well, yeah, the federal government's actually sort of pretty involved in, in Social Security. Yes, it is. So, yeah, I mean, what you're talking about is indexing. Uh, and uh, I don't know. I, this is my my show where I say, I don't know a lot, um, but that's okay. I don't know the current status of that debate, but indexing COLA would seem to make some sense for exactly the reason that he's talking about that. Um, I mean, you have to weigh that against the fact that social security is sort of a revolving fund. Your benefits are based on what you you quote unquote paid into the fund. So, uh, But it does seem like the, a fairer thing these days would be to index it so that the person receiving the smaller benefit gets a larger COLA bump instead of just basing it on percents. All right, we have to go, we have to stop. Uh, Thanks for listening today. Uh, We'll come back tomorrow with a show about nominative determinism. Unless you live in the future and you've already heard that one.